Welcome to the Lance Wallnow Show today. Uh, let's get a let's get a back up the picture, guys. I want him to see the studio. Look at the Christmas tree. Look at the poinsettias. The color. This is the only shot. It's, I got this beautiful studio. And look, come back to me. This is all people look at. This dreary bookshelf behind me. I'm going to change that. In the, I'm going to change that in the new year. Many things are changing in the new year. I want you to join me at the Trump Doral in Florida. It's going to be January 19th and 20th. It's cold out there, baby. It's cold outside. But I'm going to be at the Trump Doral. It's ornate. It's beautiful. It's opulent. I'm going to be with the five smartest, most brilliant technology breakthrough strategists on physical optimizing health. I'm obsessed with becoming younger, becoming stronger, and uh, being able to run the race longer than I ever have before. Mercedes, tell people how they can join me on this two-day intensive health getaway. Definitely. And you guys feel free to put the image, the graphic on the screen, but you can go to lancewallnow.com forward slash summit. If you are listening on the podcast, we have Dr. Jordan Rubin, Dr. Chauncey Crandall. We have Dr. Neil Goodman, so many doctors. We have uh, Chrissy Code Red Nickel. She's coming talking about fitness. Uh, we have Pastor Shirley uh, coming out and she's going to be talking about stem cells. And it's just, I mean, talk about rejuvenating health. I mean, this is cutting edge stuff that we're bringing. And then to top it all off, the cherry on top is we're doing two miracle services with Tommy and Miriam Evans and the wonderful Larry Sparks. Of course, Lance and Annabelle will be there speaking. Carl will be there. So please, please, please come and join us. Listen, I decided because people were messaging and saying, hey, I see the early bird price up there. I know you were going to pull it down close to Thanksgiving. Like, could you leave it up a little bit longer? So I'm leaving it up. I'm going to run it kind of right through mid-Christmas. So as you're thinking about buying gifts and you and the husband, you and the wife are thinking, you know, let's get away from the cold. Let's get out of the snow. Let's go hang out with Lance and Annabelle down at the Trump Doral in beautiful Miami, Florida. It's two days, but on the third day, it's designed. It's a wellness day. You take that for yourself. You want to go to the beach. You want to enjoy the spa. You hang out and have a great time. So please come down and join us. Again, LanceMonnell.com forward slash summit. And, and the reason why you want to do this is it's, only, it's going to be a small group. We're looking at like maybe 150, 200, mm -hmm. believe it or not, of my top people, which means the folks that you're going to be schmoozing with are the best in all seven mountains. That's I also, why I want to do it. Go ahead. I also want to say that the hotel, it, the room block is close to selling out. So if you really are on the fence about this and you've been thinking about it, I'm, there's maybe 15 rooms left. So please, please make sure if you I'm need a room, you, man, this you're is thinking the time. about People it, People want to hang up. out. Everybody wants to hang out. I, I hang out at these places. Mm -hmm. You could take a seat right there next to me and we could hang out and schmooze. LanceWallow.com forward slash summit, S-U-M-M-I-T. I'm going to take my jacket off and go to work because it's warm in the studio. And let's go in right now. Hello, and welcome to the Lance Wallnow Show. You know, I'm concerned that Henry Kissinger died recently at the age of 100. And that, well, perhaps I'm talking to an audience that doesn't even know who he is, who he was. Certainly, he's a character who's been vilified. You won't hear much positive spoken about him, but I don't have negative to really say about Henry Kissinger, oh, the Council on Foreign Relations and Globalists and World Order. I'm going to listen to all of those guys out there. But I look at people in, the ter in terms of the times in which they lived. Here's a young man in Germany, has most of his family wiped out by the Nazis, escapes Germany, ends up by the uh, providence of God at, at Harvard, uh, becomes uh, a brilliant 
uh, thinker, and his art of stagecraft was like Talleyrand was to Napoleon, Kissinger was, to generations of Washington diplomats, most notably Nixon, who uh, he brought Kissinger in because of his gift for being able to get him, figure out how to get out of Vietnam and how to build a relationship with Russia and with China that would neutralize those two powers in terms of working together as communist nations. Something Biden screwed up immediately, got them working together. They're like pen pals now. Uh, but uh, detente and, uh, and, and with, um, you know, with China setting up relationships, one could say, well, that was the greatest mistake we ever made. I agree. Getting involved with China and bringing them into our markets and thinking that by bringing them into the global order of prosperity, we would somehow convince them of the virtues of democracy. Now, all we did was we took a crime family that was broke and made them the Corleone family run in New York, and now we're in danger of them taking us out. But nevertheless, I've addressed the failures of uh, some of those policies. But let me give you some great Kissinger quotes. There's a reason why for 100 years, or for 50 years, this man was sought after by everyone for perspective on what was happening in the world. The absence of alternatives clears the mind marvelously, he says. Each success only buys an admission ticket to a more difficult problem. That's something wise in these, these Jewish scholars' axioms. He wrote a book on diplomacy. I haven't read the whole book, but I, I read enough of it to appreciate one quote in particular, that once every couple of hundred years, a nation arises that has the courage, the virtue, and the capacity to impose its will upon the global order. And when they do, the earth experiences a season of peace and prosperity, something of that nature. That once every several hundred years, a nation arises that has the, the virtue, the courage, and the resources to do something that affects the world order. He said the United States was that nation after World War II. Had it not been for the United States, you could be speaking with a German accent right now. The United States accomplished something. And then with the Marshall Plan, this uh, supposedly Marxist totalitarian nation went and instead of destroying, conquering, or, or making acquisitions of our conquest, taking Germany and making an extension of our power, and Japan an extension of our power, we invested the Marshall Plan in rebuilding them and establishing them as trade partners and democracies so that we could have from 1945 till today the fragile but beautiful global order we grew up with that has created a sustained period of prosperity and peace like no other period, uh, perhaps uh, the exception of the Pax Romana from, uh, from early Rome. What I'm saying is Kissinger talked about the United States and its destiny, and I'm so sad to see the United States going down the woke toilet, um, you know, hole that it's going down right now because we're no longer the virtuous, strong nation that the world... We can, the world can't afford to have us with our woke flags festooned on every embassy, calling every terrorist by their right he, she, or him, or shim uh, language. The, uh, the reality is 
this is the hour for something to arise. And I, I dream, and it is still just a dream, that somehow this beautiful thing called the global body of Christ, the people of God, this mystical union that ties us together to the first century church and its founder, Jesus of Nazareth, and the Holy Spirit that has descended upon those believers that are willing to receive, that somehow in the earth there might be a glorious nation among the nations. The Bible refers to you are a holy nation all over the earth, that if we could be a people that could have the virtue and the courage and the resources to impose our will, what would it look like? Well, it would be an end of wars. It would be a period of peace. It would be a season where parents and children are protected from the overreach of government, where education isn't a propaganda tool for the ideology of a political party. All of these things came to my mind when I read Kissinger's book on diplomacy, and I thought perhaps once in a millennium a country does arise, and maybe that country's gone now, but maybe there still is a movement in the earth that could do something. He said, power is the great aphrodisiac. And perhaps that's true. Maybe that's why even the church can't do what it might be able to do because of the corruption that happens when you have power. There cannot be a crisis next week, he said. My schedule is already full. Another cynical and interesting quote he had about government, the illegal we do immediately, the unconstitutional takes a little longer. And uh, then the, one of my favorite other quotes is, 90% of the politicians that are, that are in Washington, um, so of the corrupt politicians that are in Washington, they give the other 10% a bad name, meaning like 90% of them are bad in the first place. But I, I encourage you not to, not to buy into, I'll tell you what, I go to the Rolling Stone, and it's kind of like they referred to Kissinger's death as war criminal, finally dies. Typically, go with the opposite of what the Rolling Stone says, and you're probably closer to the truth. And so we have a, an interesting person who has died. His, I, his thoughts, by the way, in my last four minutes here, and I'm really eulogizing Kissinger because I think we're watching boundaries. We're watching the end of eras right now, and we should be wondering what kind of future era is coming. The last interview before his death, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger understood diplomacy and world affairs, dismissed the idea of a two-state solution. For a while, he was thinking about it. He said, the difficulty of Gaza, the Palestinians, having their own state is shown by the experience of Hamas. This is a guy 99 saying this. The guy's brain was still functioning. Gaza was made quasi-independent by Prime Minister Ariel Sharon. And he did it in order to test the possibility of a two-state solution so we could both peacefully coexist. And it's led, in fact, to a much more complex situation. It's become so much worse in the last two years than it was in 2005, where they were trying to create a two-state solution. So the two-state solution doesn't guarantee that what we saw in the last weeks won't happen again. I guarantee it will happen again. But you know what has not been covered by any of the news? And I don't want to go there now. I want to be buoyant and optimistic and upbeat. I'm going to tell you. I watched the curriculum, Mercedes, of what's being taught to the Hamas children, Palestinian children, to hate the Jews. The Jews are the oppressor. It's almost like James Carville wrote the curriculum 
about Christian nationalism. They, they are so poisoned in their education system to grow up hating the Jews and seeing them as the oppressor and themselves as a victim, that when this atrocity happened, I'd like to say, well, the peaceful, democratic people of Palestine and the Gaza, they need to get rid of this corrupt regime. The fact is, the corrupt regime comes from them because the people have been educated to hate the Jews. And until you get to the school systems, until you change the education, which requires a whole generation of supervising parents who themselves are poisoned, there's a reason why Egypt won't let any Palestinians in. Why not? They're right next door. There's a reason why Syria won't let them in. There's a reason why Jordan kicked them out. Because I'm sorry to say, it's a toxic culture that has, uh, has lost the capacity for self-governance because it's under the tutelage and the leadership of an ISIS regime who's programmed its thinking. Now, I don't, I don't doubt that the Antichrist, the Bible says, is going to come on the scene, and there probably is some ghastly two-state solution coming down the road imposed by the hand of man. But I'll tell you right now, it can't succeed, not as long as the education system reinforces the training of terrorists and the poisoning of the well. You have to radically uproot what's being taught. It comes back to the, the schools, the education, and the worldview that is being propagated. I'm just saying that there'll never be a two-state solution. Kissinger saw it, and he was absolutely right. But while everyone's kicking the football around, talking about, well, we need to have peace, we need to have a ceasefire, we need to have a negotiated so blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, going to cut the X to the root of the issue. Unless you change the ideology that is being perpetuated in their schools and in American schools. We should not be surprised if we raise communities of uh, terror because we're training them that way. And it's the natural byproduct of uh, what happens when you don't influence the culture. Any final thoughts on this as we're going to, out of the subject? No, I mean, just to your point, I mean, it, it, hate is taught, and I think we see it even in our school systems of, you know, what you can say, what you can't say, who's the greater victim, um, the hierarchy of victimhood, like we talked about last week. I mean, we, we have it. It's an epidemic in our own school system. Well, it's an epidemic. And so, parents, you have to be involved, and I know you're involved, and I know the people listening to this broadcast understand what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying you're not hearing the perspective I'm giving, spoken anywhere, and it's the perspective that needs to be put in to solve the problem because Hamas was voted in by a democratic society. Who knows what America will vote in? It'll vote its own shackles in if we don't get a hold of education. We'll be right back. You know, there are stories in the Bible that are actually so amazing. Imagine if God gave you a dream and he said to you, ask me anything that you wish and I'll give it to you. Well, that actually happened. Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. Suppose God was to ask you if you wanted the ability to open up heaven with your prayer life so that you could come up into this very presence and see his plan and his purpose and his detailed blueprint for what you're called to do. And then suppose God added to that and said, and I'm gonna give you the power over every demon and earthly circumstance that gets in your way when you want to administrate that vision. I'm gonna give you kingly power and priestly access to the throne of God at the same time. That's the end time move of God, folks. It's called the Melchizedek spirit. Jesus comes to us, the Bible says, 
in a new order. It's called the Order of Melchizedek. We've seldom seen it manifest in the church, but it's showing up now where God is giving to his people the royal priesthood authorization to be able to see what heaven wants to do, pray prevailing prayers, and administrate that prayer right over the works of hell. We're seeing amazing answers to prayer. We're seeing new testimonies happen every day. I want you to get this special teaching. LanceWallet.com forward slash Mel. That's short for Melchizedek. LanceWallet.com forward slash Mel. You don't want to miss it. This is fresh revelation, hot off the press. I can't believe it's the last segment. We're going to go rapid segment. I'm talking about speed dating with the news right now. We're going to go, bam. Have you, have you ever done speed dating in your life? That's no, in your generation. Lance, I've never done speed dating. Do you know what speed dating is? I think it's like where you sit down and it's like almost like musical chairs and they go quick and you're like, have a handful of questions. I've seen it in movies. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, you do two or three minutes sit there, and it's kind of, but it's like you get judged by the other person whether they want to follow up on a, on a, on, on a date afterwards or yeah. how does that work? I, I don't know. I, how, how much can you find out about a person? I mean, men, clearly it's based on looks. Women, it's like, is there a connection to it? Did he listen? I think you it's geared think, towards men. I think that is a very shallow assessment. I think of it's geared men, towards men. That it's based on what a woman looks like. And for a woman, it's based on I felt heard or listened to. Yeah, I well, guarantee these women are, are judging men by what you. they look like. Ladies, you're judging men by what they look like. I, I learned these things from, from you. These are things you talk about at our at our conferences. Did I did I say that? Yeah, you say men are very visual and women are all about connection. These are things you teach, Lance, at our dream oh, trips. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Well, you know, you're right. Okay, so I want to talk to you about some news here. Darren Beatty. You know, I love Darren Beatty, and I love, uh, um, is her name Michelle Winters? Winters. Natalie you know. Winters. Natalie Winters. Yes, yes, Natalie Winters. Of course, I know Natalie Winters. Anyway, but what, what they're so refreshingly cerebral. I love the cerebral aspect. They're, they're smart. They're interesting. They're engaging. But there's an element there. I tell Mercedes every now and then she'll go off like, you know, Calvin Coolidge. I warn her, don't get too into the, you know, the book right now. But uh, I have a Darren Beatty interview that really, it was, it was shockingly interesting. But I realized as I dealt into it, my audience might not want to go into the deep dive, but you ought to. Like with Kissinger, you ought to know about him and what he did. Anyway, Harvard study shows the promise of South Africa that it was one of the great BRIC nations, the great hope of South Africa because of its economic renaissance, its, its mining, its infrastructure. Its, it, was a, it was a burgeoning, growing model that Africa could produce, a modern economy. In the 1990s, it was celebrated for that reason. You go there now, it's destroyed. It's the canary in the coal mine because the American Marxist diversity experiment was implemented and they destroyed the economy and destroyed the nation. Harvard's shocking admission, affirmative action and critical race theory killed the experiment of South Africa. Mm. So what happened? What the heck happened? On those bleak corners of the internet, they fret about economic growth and social cohesion and other boring stuff. There's a common question. What the heck happened in 1971? 1971, uh, you're going to see that uh, on a chart after, another United, after the United States, there's a pattern of steady growth and improvement in life, and suddenly it all goes haywire, boop, right around 1971. 
Wage growth stagnated all but the richest American Americans. Inequality exploded. Housing prices began a long upward march that has yet to level out. Fertility rates crashed while illegitimacy surged, and so on and so on. Many other nations have data that tells a similar story around a similar time. But one nation has a different year, uh, has a very different year that marks a shift in their fortunes. Wasn't 71? Carl, check. When did we go off the gold standard under Nixon? I think 71 might have been the year we went off the gold standard. So, so, but this happened in South Africa, not in 71, but in 1994. What happened in 1994? Or 1973? We went off the gold standard? Yeah, um, I don't know. My generative Google AI said 71. Gold standard, the U.S. officially abandoned it in 71. Carl saying 73, though. But I am vindicated. 71. That's when things started going haywire. All right. We have plenty of data and graphs I can show you, but here's what I want you to get. The, uh, the rainbow nation of South Africa that everybody was looking forward to was poised to leverage such substantial economic assets to full strength in 1995. It, South Africa supported the 47th most complex economy in the world. China itself was right next door competing with it, 46. Far ahead of all the other African nations, there was good reason to believe the economy was going to grow rapidly. But what happened? Well, according to Harvard, and they're reluctantly putting this out, it looks as though it was the diversity, equity, inclusion. It was the collapsing of competency and the forced firing and restaffing with Marxist ideology that predominantly drove South Africa into a collision course with, with, with suicidal economic performance. What could all that mean? State capacity was compromised. They said, we identified four strongly interacting causes underlying such systemic collapse. There was gridlock in the ruling coalition that prevents action. That's because they lost their government stability when the Marxists took over. There was an ideology that justified excluding society from participating in state-reserved activities. Marxism. Overburdened by public, of public entities with goals beyond their core mission and capabilities. Marxism and the political patronage that corrupt those. Those are not four different reasons for South Africa's collapse, according to the Harvard study. They're all the same reason. Every cause of South Africa's collapse is in reality just a manifestation of the ruling Marxist political party's reconstruction of the entire nation. It doesn't work. It's the canary in the coal mine. I could go into more information here explaining to you how their critical race theory took people of competence out and put people without competence in. In all sectors, the society began to stop functioning. Uh, I encourage you to go to Revolver. Go to revolver.news. I go there, read Darren Beatty's article. We'll probably, I'm going to probably get him on for a little interview. He's very stimulating, very interesting to talk to. Um, but but uh, let, let, me, let me cover this speed dating here. I was using that analogy to say I want to cover the news somewhat quickly. Do we have the hazmat suit of big white men return to disinfect China? What do you think is going on here? Breitbart News is covering something. And it's once again, we've got right in time. Is this going to roll out? Do you think it's going to roll out by next year, November? We're going to have a return to the disinfecting, you know, shutdowns, lockdowns. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be cynical, but it looks to me, if Trump is on the horizon coming back, I said earlier today in, a, in another newscast, and I got this from Dan Bongino, it's actually a great point, that we have a challenge that the Democratic Party has great brand equity. They could survive a lot. I don't know why. I mean, but the Democratic Party didn't suffer in midterms. It's got, I think it's because it has PR in all the media and legacy outlets. It, it never gets really trashed, but their leadership does. So Biden's at an all-time low, but the party is okay. And the label, the brand. Now you go over to the Republican side, it's reverse. The Republican Party is in the basement in terms of brand. It isn't like a real glorious winning party. But Trump, as the personality, is at an all-time high. What that means is the candidate, Biden, is, is uh, not popular. Trump is popular. But the Democrat Party is popular, Republican Party not. So if it was down to an election of parties, Republicans could easily lose. It was down to an election of personalities, controversial as Trump is, Trump beats Biden. But what if uh, Biden's taken out? All of you guys that are cheering on, Ooh, you know, he needs to be impeached. I, I, I would suggest to you, this is going to go down like a rat sandwich, but just listen to me. I want to see his credibility trashed. I want to see the proof that Hunter is paying off the old man from an account. I want to see the corruption, the payoff. And then I want the excuse to be, ah, I know my son was doing that. Obviously, I didn't realize. I never would have done that. And then he's going to throw his son under the bus to distance himself. But the Senate will not impeach him, and it's going to show that the, the machinery in Washington is corrupt. Let Biden be on the ticket. Don't take him out. It's not a good idea. <laughs> we want to see Biden versus Trump. I don't want to see Newsom or Michelle Obama against Trump. Make sense? Mercedes, you have something to say over there? I didn't know if you were signaling me or yawning. What are you doing over there? No, no. I mean, I, th I think they're going to pull him out. I mean, right? Isn't all the speculation that with the superdelegates, they're going to pull him and they're going to put the Michelle The superdelegates might try to do it? Mm -hmm. That's why I'm not sure Tucker's the best choice. I like Tucker, but it's like, you Oh, know. we're talking about a previous program, talking about Tucker as VP. Mm -hmm. I didn't even go to James Carville. I can't believe we're out of time. we got one minute and 36 seconds. Let's change the tune. I want you to walk me through one minute of Babylon B's best because I need a state change. It, things are getting better, folks. It's going to be a better year than you think. 2024 is going to be the year of the open door, and there's going to be many adversaries, but God's going to open up doors. Matter of fact, I'm going to see those doors open in Arizona, in Georgia, in Wisconsin, in Michigan. If you're in those states, if you're in Nevada or Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, or Wisconsin, I want you to go to freedom at lancewallnow.com. Tell me you're there, because I'm going to be going to those states. We're going to be having populist rallies. I might even get Bannon and some of these other guys to show up. Charlie Kirk's on board with this. We're going to have some powerful rallies because we've got to break out of this um, 30 million Christians that aren't even registered to vote. We're going to break that thing down this year, and we're going to see relevant, powerful meetings in all these states. Go ahead. Show me the, the best of Babylon B. Well, here we go. We've got um, one from Babylon B saying public educators warn low literacy rates may prevent kids from reading about gay sex. <laughs> Next. This one says the two climate activists are dead after gluing themselves to the Ark of the Covenant. I love the feet sticking up in the air. That's the part it's that makes so me funny. laugh. Next. Disney awarded defense contract after producing more bombs than Lockheed Martin. <laughs> Disney has more bombs than Lockheed Martin. Ain't that the truth? 
We're going to be back again uh, tomorrow with another broadcast. You don't want to miss it. God bless you. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98 or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know my pillow products make for the perfect Christmas gifts, so I'm going to extend my money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code Lance to save big on all of Mike's best products. That's promo code Lance. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.